Welcome to Girl, Water Your Grass. We talk about all the things to better yourself, your family, your career, your dreams, your goals, and your life, and how God's dreams over us are so much bigger than our own. We are just two girlfriends who grew up in the bluegrass state of Kentucky with five brothers each and have reunited to take our dreams to the next level. Now we're inviting you to get out of your own way, girlfriend, and come on this ride because on this journey of a lifetime, we never arrive. Welcome back to Girl Water Your Grass. We are so excited to have Miss Lisa Rowe with us today. And it's just an honor to have you here. And we can't wait to share with our listeners about the amazing stuff you're doing with support after abortion and just your story. Um, and just a message really of hope and of, of really of solutions and answers for all those out there that may have been through this. So welcome to the podcast, Lisa. Welcome, Lisa. Thank you so much for having us. We are just so excited and we want to help you get that word out there. And so tell us a little bit about your organization, Support After Abortion, what you all, are, what you all do, and just tell our listeners, just give us, give us what it's, you're all about. Yeah, it's awesome. So I am the CEO for Support After Abortion. You can find us at www.supportafterabortion.com. We are here serving both clients, providers, and the world, because what we want to see happen is the end of abortion through healing. And so as we were talking about a little earlier, we know that out of the a million abortions that are happening every year, half of them are happening on women who've already experienced an abortion. And when I say women, I also want to make sure that I am honoring the man too, because there is a partner, there is a spouse, there is somebody that is also connected to that baby. And so we know that if we could get in front of that man and woman before they walk into that abortion clinic a second time that they won't, they won't go back into that abortion clinic. And so our goal is to help people break down the walls. Why is it that abortion can only be talked about as a political issue, as a religious issue? Why can't we talk about it with compassion for that human being who's struggling? Why do we see it different than other mental health issues? And how do we connect people to that help? And so we're just really out there trying to make sure that people know that there is support after abortion and that there's help for them and their family members and their community and uh, everyone else. You know what I really love about this too is I think sometimes the the message of of life and abortion you know being wrong or being hurtful it, 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 it has come across at times as very harsh you know instead of the recognition that actually abortion hurts the mom and it hurts the dad it's not just it is about the baby's life but it's also because the ramifications of that for that woman and for that man are are huge drastic I mean I, re- I remember years ago when I was working a lot in the fitness industry, I, one of my clients, she had a gal who, or she, she'd had an abortion 30 years before and still suffered from depression as a result of that. And so I think there's this whole other side of pain that happens that is not being talked about. Could, would you share a little bit about why is that part important? How does abortion affect men and women? Like, why does it matter about healing after that? 
Absolutely. So the thing that came to mind when you were first sharing about that woman that you worked with was that one of my clients, actually, I use this all the time, said, you know, abortion socially acceptable, but nobody's talking about it. And so the vision that I had when she shared that was like these war veterans coming home from Vietnam, you know, they thought they were going and fighting for their country. And when they came back, they returned to all these people protesting murder, these kind of things. And so, you know, what I want your listeners to understand is abortion is no different than other pains that we have, right? Somehow we put this on a spectrum that it's worse or different, but you know, if we've experienced somebody in our life who's had suicidal thoughts or has committed suicide or has experienced divorce, has experienced domestic violence, sex trafficking, you name it. What I want people to understand is abortion is no different. But because of the political and religious stigma that we've created, people put it somewhere else, but it's not, it's the same person. It's the same person living in chaos, the same person who has very little tools when faced with the crisis. But because of what we've done in the political and religious realms, they are coming out of their pain to people that are telling them how they feel about it. You're a murderer. You don't deserve help. Or on the other side of the spectrum, like stop saying it hurts. (laughs) You know, we don't want people to know the truth behind it. And so people find themselves who experienced abortion in this place where it's like, I've got to live in this secret, which if you think about it as a trauma, it just further compounds that trauma similar to a woman who's experienced childhood sexual abuse, you know, she's like, man, my body feels good when I'm experiencing that abuse. Oftentimes, maybe it's my fault. Maybe I'm crazy instead of seeing herself as a victim. So there's all sorts of mixed messages coming through, which adds to trauma and adds to the further silenced. And we know what happens in darkness, right. Is really just not healthy for any of us. And so that's where depression and anxiety and substance abuse is often started. Oh, this is so good, Lisa. And it's, it's so true. You know, I've been, been blessed to be part of a lot of women's walks that have been through this. And it's just a gift when they'll share their story. And what I see is exactly what you're saying. And they haven't necessarily had those people saying you're a murderer, all those things, but they hear that and they feel that shame. It's a silent shame too. It is a silent shame. And they carry this weight that is the weight of the world on them. And knowing, I love that you said like, this is no different than any other, you know, any other sin really It, it is, it is, just we're human and we all make mistakes and we all need healing, but to hold on to that and not, not dive into it is going to keep that root infection so deep that it's, it gets so infected. I like to equate it. And this may be a good analogy of like, when you have a deep infection, you just put a bandaid over it. It's actually getting ickier and ickier underneath there when you're going to actually need surgery from what just was a basic cut. Not that it's just a basic cut. I mean, it's a deep thing that needs healing, but when we try to put band-aids over it, um, it just doesn't work. Yeah. It's amazing too. I, I would love for you to share actually, because I think you have such a powerful story, you know, and you've had such a history of, um, yeah, would you, would you just, I, I don't want to give it away, but would you just share your personal story? Cause this is obviously, this is very much, this is very close to your heart. You know, this is a very, um, a deep thing for you. So would you share with our listeners, you know, who is Lisa Rowe, that this is such an important message for you and something that you've really dedicated your life to. 
Yeah. And Mary just set it up for such success as God would have it. You know, I was that woman who put a bandaid over my mom had taught me just make everything look pretty. I didn't know that that's what she had taught me growing up, but that's what I had been watching. Mm. And so I was raised by a alcoholic father and a codependent mom. Uh, It wasn't actually until I was 27 that I knew my dad was an alcoholic and even what alcoholism was, you know, I, I remember driving around in my Jeep Wrangler and my dad had left open containers in my car and I could hear it rattling on the, and I never thought anything of it. I thought that's what Mm. you did. You you drove and you drank. And I also was very accustomed to that inconsistency where I didn't know if I was leaving for swim practice and my dad would be up making me my breakfast, or if I'd be totally walking downstairs to the dark, you know, nobody up in my house, whether I'd come home to my dad working or passed out on the couch, you know, I, and then, you know, my parents got divorced and and I became like this surrogate mother, almost taking care of my sister, taking care of my dad. My mom ended up chasing after more men as a result, because that's what her codependency tells her to do. And so um, my like the breaking point or falling on my knees point was just about when I was at that 27 year old mark, I was unexpectedly pregnant, married to my first husband and like just going, what the heck? I already have a toddler. I'm not even sure I'm a good mom to her. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. And then my ex-husband tells me that he has been having one affair and uh, my curiosity continued to spur. And I found out way more as a result of therapy and that sort Mm. of thing that He actually struggled with uh, major addiction issues um, sexually and had had many affairs. And my favorite story to tell, because I feel like a lot of women can associate their stories to this, is I was seeing my first therapist and she looked at me and she said, Lisa, a lot of times women like ignore the red flags. Can you see the red flags in your marriage? And at that point I had a clinical degree. I was helping teen moms raise their kids. I like wanted, and my pride was like thick <laughs> I wanted to like run across that room and like strangle her and go, do you know who I am? And how could you even ask me that you you're telling me that I would knowingly enter into this relationship, you know? Yeah. Um, and that's where my journey started going. Oh my gosh, I must be incredibly broken to be able to be in a marriage like this, where there was red flags everywhere and mm. including my own. And every morning at four o'clock, literally AM, my, um, our heavenly father would wake me up. I didn't have the strongest relationship with at that time. And I would just feel like, I would just throw up everything. You know, I, at that time I was, I was looking at text messages of my husband having an affair and I would still invite him into our bedroom that night, knowing that he maybe had had um, interaction with another woman that morning, because for me, it was like my self-worth was connected to him. Yeah. So we ended up getting divorced and the journey continued for me, um, you know, and my codependency recovery is still very much a part of this. And, um, you know, my, val- all of my validation, my worth, my identity, my purpose was wrapped into men my whole life. I had not been single since I was 15. And, um, and I, and, and the last thing I think I would want to share with everyone is when I was working in the anti-trafficking world, I was sitting across from a woman and she started sharing her story with me. 
And although I have not been trafficked, I could relate to everything she shared, mm-hmm. how she fell victim to this man's attention, his, you know, quote unquote, love, all of the things that she felt cared for because she had not been cared for. Mm-hmm. And it was like the thing that was like filling that hole in her heart. I was like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. So that, and then, you know, to get into the abortion world, um, you know, I'm no different than these women, although I have not experienced an abortion. I feel like the wounds that I've experienced allow me to connect with them in ways that, you know, codependency is a big reason women experienced abortion because they want to please the world. They want to please the people in their life. They don't, they want to maintain control of their circumstances and anything that would disrupt that they're willing to take the chance on. So, um, you know, a lot of my girlfriends have experienced abortion and didn't tell me about it until I actually started walking into this role and better understanding how abortion hurts. So I just love that you're getting this conversation out there and started. And you know, what I've seen is that both sides aren't doing the best job, right? That Mm -hmm. sometimes the pro-life side, which, which has the truth that this is really the truth of God can be harsh. And we have to be loving and compassionate and realizing that most women are not out there saying, I want to kill my baby. They're saying, I don't know what to do. And I'm scared and I'm afraid. But then the other side is, is selling this lie that it doesn't hurt you. It's not a big deal. It's not real. And so we really just starting this conversation, it's just such a gift and it's so necessary. And what I'm hearing as you talk is that so much of what we deal with in our life goes back to everything we've experienced through our childhood. And so much of it, your rise and fall will be by what you believe about yourself. That self-worth component is just crucial And so diving into what are the things I struggle with so that you don't have a lifelong battle with this. And we've every single one of us are human. We all have mistakes. We all have (laughs) shame. And and like you said, like maybe my sin is ignoring my kids or, you know, which one just came in here. That's why I ran out the room whenever we were recording. I'm like, (laughs) real life, baby. But this is real life people when you have six kids. So um, but you know, and, and maybe, maybe yours is an abortion and maybe yours is, is that you've struggled with, um, food. I don't know. It doesn't matter. We don't, God doesn't equate sin. He doesn't say you're worse because of this. Right. Um, and we all have our own story and it's really that if we don't heal the wounds from our past, that we will bleed on those that didn't cut us, which is what I think so many people experience. And this is just, gosh, it's such a gift because out of your wounds have borne this beautiful and amazing movement of support after abortion. And so you don't have to stay stuck there, but you can take that and say, God, what do you want to do with this? I know that you will redeem it all. Here I am. I am broken. We are all broken and out of your wounds become what your life's call is. And that seems Mm -hmm. to be your story here, right? Absolutely. And most of my teams too, Mary, I mean, it just, it feels like everybody who connects with us, volunteers, staff members, board members, they've all had some kind of personal connection to trauma and they just understand. And one of the things you said earlier that I feel like is so compelling when I did a a little bit of research for a presentation I was doing, and I put in compassion and abortion. Do you know that Planned Parenthood came up more times than the pro-life movement did? Wow. And condemnation and abortion, it was the pro-life 
movement that came wow. up. So we have a lot of work to do to show people that we aren't condemning that mm-hmm. the pro-life movement does want to help, but because of those early years, because of those more outwardly, I don't know, outspoken, outward facing yes. people talking about abortion is murder. There's a time and a place and we need to know our audience. Mm, so good. Would you share also, because, you know, we were talking a little bit before the show, how much men are impacted, but how little that is acknowledged. I, you know, I had a friend in, um, in college who that had been part of his story was, you know, he'd gotten his girlfriend pregnant when they were, I think 18 or 19. And, you know, he wanted them to keep the baby and she went and had an abortion. And years later, you know, 10, 15 years later, um, he was still, you know, I mean, we know each other for a long time, but he was still being impacted, you know, and, and he said it really played a big, um, it was a big hit to his self-image all the time and his, uh, just his, his identity. And so would you share with our audience a little bit? Cause I know that is a focal point for you guys also is not forgetting the men. Can you just kind of share maybe a little bit of your experience with how this impacts men because it's not something that's talked about. Absolutely. And I appreciate that you have that story and that it's something we can talk about today. And because we've already created that foundation that it's, it's a woman who's experienced trauma that's walking into the abortion clinic, I want your listeners to know that our magnets inside of us connect with people that are like us. And so we've established that women that are broken are walking into these, uh, Planned Parenthoods and other abortion clinics, that means they're partnered with people that are just as broken as them, mm-hmm. you know, whether they're spouses or boyfriends or an intimate partner. And so I want everybody listening to understand that these are two people who have very little tools dealing with a major life crisis and are trying the best they can, but don't know any better. And so when you have the messages of our culture saying it's her choice, it's her body, oftentimes because of that man's brokenness, he doesn't feel like he has a voice or maybe because he was fatherless growing up and he didn't really have an example of a man and what men do and how men are protectors. They don't know how to do that. And so most of our research has shown that men actually want a voice, but 50% of the time they feel like I don't have a choice. Mm-hmm. So that, I mean, that's pretty significant. If you think about uh, the amount of abortions that are happening every year, that men feel like this is not, I'm going to support whatever she tells me, but then they hurt afterwards. Cause they don't feel like they had a voice. And what we mm-hmm. also know is that oftentimes men, and you guys know, probably be from your husbands is that they try to connect with a baby in the womb and they try to connect with infant baby, but it's not until they start moving around and they start understanding that men are like all like, Oh, this is what fatherhood is like. And I hear that story all the time. And, you know, that's what we're experiencing with these men is that they really don't cognitively understand the loss until they have that living child and they begin to interact. And then they start going, Oh my gosh, this could have been my other son, my other daughter. Um, and that's when it starts to click for them. That's so interesting. You're talking about that because what I've seen is a lot of times it hits so many people who have been experienced abortion, man or woman, once they have their, their child. And it may have been dormant for 15, 20 years, and then it comes back and it becomes self-hatred. And we want you to have hope and to have love and mercy Mm. and to know that you're not going to stay stuck here. You don't have to stay stuck here. There is hope for you. There is healing. 
And you let the enemy win when you stay there with that shame. Mm -hmm. And you don't have to tell me or Maria or Lisa, but we encourage (laughs) you to reach out for the help and know that the help is there. And, you know, I've heard of, I asked Lisa this question, which I would love for you to speak to it a little bit, but of all these different organizations that help with um, post-abortion and they all have kind of different avenues. Maybe some help the fathers, or maybe this organization is for the mother after abortion. Maybe this one's, if you're thinking about an abortion. So explain to us how support after abortion really is the first stop in finding out what avenue and which direction you can go to dive into that healing, to have hope, and to know that there are answers out there for you and that you're not alone. Absolutely. And if you are someone who's experienced an abortion, we want to be there for you. Contact us at supportafterabortion.com. You can Facebook message us, Instagram message us. Um, You can call us, text us. We are here for you. And somebody that has experienced abortion will respond to you and will help get you connected to the support you need. And so that's a great way to kind of segue into who we are. Uh, We have a hope line. We connect with clients. We aren't a program because there's 200 amazing programs across the world that are doing this amazing work that are helping Mm. um, men and women heal after an abortion or abortions. Um, And so what we want to make sure is people get to go to where they need and want to go. You know, there's uh, eight to 12 week Bible studies. There are retreat models. There are text services. There are individual counseling. I mean, there are a number of opportunities available to men and women, but the problem is, is because of what our culture has said about abortion, don't talk about it's taboo. We don't know that these programs exist. A lot of them were birthed in the 80s and 90s when it wasn't okay to say abortion. It's still not. Um, And if there's time, I'll tell you a story from this morning. But, you know, it's still not okay to talk about abortion. It's still got so much, you know, just muck behind it. Mm. And so they've named themselves things like surrendering the secret. You even said like Martha's Vineyard. No, it's Rachel's Vineyard and um, Project Rachel. and, And we were wondering, like, why don't more people know? And what we've learned from our research is it's a product issue and it's a marketing issue. Mm -hmm. And that's why we've named ourselves support after abortion, because we want people to know we're willing to step out. There's support after suicide, there's support for sex trafficking, there's support for, you know, childhood sexual abuse. Why are we not getting to that place? And so that's what we feel like we're doing is becoming a catalyst, starting the conversation, helping connect people to the programs that they really want to be connected to, and then helping these programs realize that they need to change too. They need to become more relevant and relatable and they need to be what the new abortion landscape is and not just the eight week Bible study that worked for them 20 years ago. And so we're helping provide best practices and research to compel them to move forward. I love that. You also said there's answers. Like if you have, if you're ready to dive in and surrender this to the Lord, we have that, but if you're not ready for that and you don't want to have any sort of religious affiliation, you have answers for that too. It doesn't have to be, and that you can send people exactly. And of course we are God's dreams over us are bigger than our own. And we love our faith, but we know that there is help and God will meet you where you are and support after abortion is there to help you get on the right path of what you are ready for at this time. That actually really stood out to me as well, because I think it doesn't matter where you are in your journey. We know that some of you listeners out there, you know, you may not have a relationship with the Lord right now. You may be in a space where you're not, I'm not even ready to even look at that at all, but it's beautiful that there are so many resources out there to help bring about this healing for wherever the person is in that moment. 
And that's so powerful. Would you share with us the story that you mentioned? We love stories on this podcast. <laughs> yes. because stories, you know, stories are impactful. And I put it on my Facebook because I just like, I was pondering it as I was getting ready. So my husband's a high school teacher and he still wears a mask at school and he couldn't find his Under Armour mask. And so we're digging through our bag of masks and I found my support after abortion mask, which is black and could have really been great for him to wear to school today. And he looked at me and said, Lisa, are you kidding me? And I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, I can't wear that to school. And I'm like, why? And he's like, I would get in so much trouble for wearing that to school. And I just, I, I pondered that all day long. Like here's my husband, not, but a week ago, was he helping the 17 year old African-American boy walk through an abortion experience he had just endured. And, you know, he was talking about the work that we do and how he can, you know, have support for himself and his grandma and the girlfriend and all of that. And my husband doesn't feel comfortable wearing his mask to school in fear that he would get in trouble by the administration administration. And gosh, we got a lot of work to do. We do. We do. It's, it's so true. And I think that fear grows in darkness, right? When you bring, when you bring things to light, it loses a lot of power. And so when we have abortion and the shame and the darkness, it just grows and it's icky and it just, well, it's, it festers, right? But when we bring it to light, we realize there is hope there is healing and, and fear gets that power in darkness and God is a God of light, right? Lisa, what would you say to the girl out there or the guy out there, maybe the couple who's contemplating abortion, they're out there, they feel very alone. Uh, You know, maybe it's a, not a good situation. What would you say to them to offer hope? And then after that, what would you say to the couple who already made that decision, that girl, that man, where they chose an abortion? So what would you, what would you say to both couples? It's great. Uh, You know, I would say to the man and woman who's contemplating abortion that you're not alone, that oftentimes our thoughts are fleeting. And I, I like to compare it to a train, you know, a train stops at a train station, but it keeps going. And so to give themselves some time to really think through all the different facets of their decision, and that if they choose to make that decision at the end of the day, we still love and care for them and they will have support. Um, But to make sure that this isn't a fleeting thought and it's not just come through the train station, they're going to get off, make sure they follow it all the way through and that you it's good to get all of your uh, details and understanding around an abortion. What, what does it look like? What does it feel like? Talk to people who've experienced it, multiple people, different age ranges, different demographics. Um, We want you to get all the information you need. And then for that man and woman who's experienced abortion, we want to let you know that we are so sorry for your loss or losses. You are not alone and you deserve help. This is not something that needs to be hidden for the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. This is actually something that can become your purpose. Uh, We all make choices that hurt and affect us. And we want you to know that we're here to support you through those. So good. And I I would echo that so many more people than you can imagine are suffering from this loss and from the effects of abortion. And it's just not talked about. So just know it it is so true when you (laughs) say you're not alone. Yeah. We've seen that with a lot of our coaching, you know, so many of them, this has been so many form. It's been a part of their story. And so we know that carried around for decades. Yeah. Yeah. And so if you're listening to this and you're one of those couples or you're one of those individuals, we just want you to know that you are loved, that there is a place for you, uh, that, you know, there is healing, that there is hope. You know, if you come away with nothing else, but knowing that there is hope, 
no matter where you are. And so one of the last questions that we love to ask our guests is what would you recommend to people out there by way of watering their grass? What would you say to them? And then how are you personally working on watering your grass right now in your life? Oh, it's a great, great question. I feel like the biggest thing that has blessed my life that has helped to water my grass is to understand my motivation. I mm. put that all over my mirror, all over my sticky notes, you know, as somebody recovering from codependency, I struggle to put people, places, and things in front of myself. Mm. And so when I ask myself, what is my motivation? I find oftentimes if it's not pure that I don't need to do it, I don't want to do it anymore. Um, if I'm putting myself and my best interests, God's interest for my life at the helm. I am my best person, my, the best wife, the best mom, the best friend, the best everything. And so that's my favorite tool, but that tool came with a lot of work and a lot of recovery. And, uh, and so that I would recommend that we always are on this uh, journey that healing is not a destination. It's a, it's an ongoing process. And what I'm doing right now that I love is I actually hired a coach um, I got to a weight I had lost 20 pounds and I, I wanted to just get that other 20 pounds that, that I had, you know, pre-pregnancy and, you know, talking on all these platforms, I wanted to feel more confident. I felt it inside, but I wanted it to be outside. And I just wonder why I didn't do it sooner. I mean, Love every it. day he's on the phone with me, we're talking about it. And I'm like, I am worth this. Like, and this is so awesome because I'm down 10 pounds. I got 10 more to go and I feel better than I've ever felt. And so, um, you know, I'm just so grateful to have people that have been there in front of me, having that like board of directors of people people that, you know, have been there, can coach you through it. Um, we're never there. And so to have somebody like that in my life right now is pretty awesome. Well, you're stunningly beautiful. You are. So, she, I wish you guys could amazing. see her because she is gorgeous. <laughs> gorgeous. And we love that yeah. you're speaking into coaching because that's what we do. And we yeah. so believe in that we have our own coaches and we know yeah. that, yeah, we can do things, but God didn't mean for us to do it alone. And you can do it so much better with yes. that support and it's worth it. It is people always say, why didn't I do this sooner? Right. So it's amazing. Investment. <laughs> the other thought I had just to kind of bring all this together with a pretty bow is that it takes so much courage mm -hmm. to dive into your healing. Mm -hmm. So we just honor you and taking that step and asking for help because it is so courageous and it, we know that it's not easy. So just honor you all in that. So tell our listeners where they can, how they can contact you. I know you've mentioned supportafterabortion.com about your book. That it sounds amazing. Unravel roots and tell us all about that. And we will also post that in the show notes. Yeah. Oh, that's so great. So again, to get a hold of us, I would the best way to do it is to visit our website, supportafterabortion.com. We have something for everybody. We have our hotline on there. You can contact us right there if you've experienced abortion. Confidential, anonymous. You don't have to even tell us your name, where you're calling from. We just want you to know that we're here. We also have tons of podcasts, tons of resources, video interviews to help you see abortion from different perspectives perspectives. Uh, if you're a leader in this movement, or you are somebody that's like, Oh my goodness, I didn't know there's tons and tons of information on the website for you to really glean more understanding. And then, um, about the book, uh, you know, as a pregnancy center, uh, executive director, and with all of my life experience, I thought the same thing we heard from Mary, like everything gets band-aided in our world. It's so socially acceptable. And I was so sick and tired of it 
for myself and for everyone we were serving. So we actually wrote a book called Unraveled Roots. It's a very beginner level conversation starter where we identify four roots that we feel are really common in people's lives, addiction, abandonment, abuse, and codependency. Mm. And we learn that. We don't, we don't just wake up one day and become somebody who's acts out of their abandonment. We don't just wake up one day and become somebody who operates out of their codependency. We learn these things and it's not about blaming our past, but going back there so we can name it so we can treat it. And so we, we talk about the root, the lie that we believed as a result of that root and the truth that we're now beginning to explore. So, um, I would really encourage you to look into that. It's on Amazon. Unraveled roots is the name of the book. So good unraveledroots.com. So good. Getting to the anatomy of that wound, right? I yes. love it. We talk a lot about the anatomy. of the wound. Well, th- This has just blessed me so much. I oh, know it's going to bless our listeners. Yeah. We can't thank you enough for the work that you're doing, for getting awesome. this out there. We're going to push it out and just yes. encourage anyone and everyone. We know there's such a need for this and just starting that conversation yes. to be more of a normal is just, it's just beautiful. So yeah. thank you for the work that you're doing. And for those of you who are listening, please continue to like and subscribe and share. And you guys really, if you listen to an episode and it touches you and someone pops in your head, share this with them. You know, this is meant to be a tool for healing and for hope for people and to remind people that God's dreams over them are bigger than, than their own. So you can also subscribe to our newsletter, which is girlwatergrass.com. And we're just so grateful for all of you listeners. Lisa, we're so grateful for you for sharing your story. And we will see y'all next time on Girl, What Are Your Grass?